Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Live Free Podcast. This is episode number seven. Mike here with JD, and how are we doing today, JD? Doing great today, Mike. Just got back from the Poconos, had an awesome home inspection, checking out that 43-unit deal one last time before we close next week. So it's a good day, and I think we have a special treat for the guests today. We're here with Will Fulton, a.k.a. Will Talks Money. He is a finance mentor, and he creates financial education content. So we're really excited to have him on. Will, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, appreciate uh, you guys having me on here. I, I think uh, all the listeners say they're going to get some good knowledge from this, and I, I hope it uh, I hope it helps out a lot of people. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. Okay, super great. Um, let's start with a little bit of background on yourself. Uh, what do you do? Who are you? So my name is Will, as, as you guys introduced me. Um, I work in sales full-time actually right now. I've always had some sort of sales job. Uh, I work in the bearing industry at the moment. Um, we can go into that in another episode, a little bit complicated, but um, yeah, I create uh, financial uh, educational content for people um, all surrounding real estate, house hacking, investments in the stock market, uh, how to pay off debt, how to get out of debt, um, how to open up investment accounts. Um, just so you guys know, I'm not a licensed financial advisor, so none of this, what I'm about to say, is advice in this episode. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of a little rundown of what I do. And then I do I do a lot of one-on-one coaching with people. Um, so I'm in the process of uh, creating a course right now. Uh, but right now, it's it's really a lot of uh, people that you know are on my newsletter, and then I do a lot of one-on-one coaching with people. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. It's pretty cool how you got into the, the coaching space and the finance space. It sounds like it's something of really big interest to you. Um, you had to explain to me last week what a bearing was. And from <laughs> what I'm picking up, what you do full time is not at all related to what it is that we're talking about here on this episode. It's not. No, I so I'm a I always tell people I'm a, I'm a sales guy. I'm a finance guy. Um, I love sales. I've, like I said, I've worked in sales my whole life, various industries. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have a lot to relate to what I do. Um, kind of grew up in a uh, blue collar construction background. My dad was a builder, mom was a teacher. Um, so I was always around that like that knit and grit of the of the hustle and, and getting your hands dirty. But kind of, you know, fell into finance of, of learning about it because it's something I really wasn't taught growing up um, and, you know, kind of learned about it at a young age. So. So if it wasn't there for you as you were growing up, how did you get into investing in, in the finance world? So I think a lot of it was really just uh, doing it on my own. I don't know. I can't remember an exact moment when a light bulb went off. I would say it was probably in high school, towards the end of high school, being at college. But I kind of just looked around and noticed how people were living. I looked at the people that were wealthy in life, the people that had free time, the people that did what they wanted to do. And I just studied it. I, I started reading books. Uh, I started listening to podcasts. I started watching YouTube videos. Um, I, I think reading books, so that's that's probably where I started first. And I just, it was really just a lot of self-education and, and then taking that education and knowledge and then putting it in action. And that's, that's kind of what I did. Was there any uh, particular books or podcasts that you... Uh... So looking back, I, I always hate saying this because people always say this, but Rich Dad Poor Dad, yeah, um, <laughs> that was, that was the first, the very first book I read. Uh, and that was, I think I was in high school, honestly. I think I was like a junior or senior in high school. Uh, 
I remember I remember going to Barnes and Noble with my mom the one night. She was a teacher. She was getting books, and I was like, I think I'm gonna go over to the business finance section. I don't really know what drew me over there. Got the book, and I just couldn't put it down. And it, it you know, I don't agree with everything in that book, but I, I think a lot of people could attest to it of how it's helped them at some point along their journey, and they've taken little tidbits of information from there and kind of applied it in their own life. Uh, but that was really the the first book that kind of kind of got me on the on the wagon there. So, and that totally makes sense. I mean, it's it's really the mindset shift in that book that kind of goes back to what you were saying when you transitioned from high school to college. I know for me, um, being around all the same people in high school with similar upbringings, getting to college was a very different experience. Seeing how where other people came from, seeing how their families lived. Um, knowing that there are people out there with a different mindset, I think that opened the world. And it sounds like you got hooked on it. And now here we are today. Yeah, yeah, definitely, guys, definitely. So what what type of investments do you prefer now? Um, so I, I'm i a big, um, big person in the stock market. I would say majority of my investments, uh, brokerage accounts, you know, I have a bunch of different retirement accounts. I own one house. Obviously, right down the street from you guys that I'm still house hacking, but I would say more than 50 to 60 percent of most of my money is in the market. Um, although the market's down right now, which sucks, um, I'm a big believer in in long-term investing. Big believer in in index funds. Uh, I bought my first stock when I was 17, I think, and it was Apple, and I still own that today. Wow. Um, which has split, I think, a couple times now. Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the stock market. I think stocks um, are, are the way to go long term um, for a return of your money. But I, I, I'm also using real estate as well to propel that as well. I think having both mixed with, um, you know, owning a business at the same time, I think those three things are really the three things that create the wealthiest people in this world are, you know, businesses, real estate and the stock market. So that's kind of what I what I focus on right now. I want to do more in real estate, which you know, hopefully in the near future here, we'll be on house number two. So that's that's okay. kind of where I'm at right now. Awesome, and I think you hit a lot of key points there, especially being that you diversify into three major sectors and how important it is to have all three. Um, so many people get caught up in one or the other and, and never really take advantage of the different benefits of each one. And it sounds like you're playing each to the, the fullest of its fiddle. So tell us about house number one. Tell us about how you got into that. Let's dive into your first deal. So house number one, I bought right around when COVID started. Um, it is a house down here in Point Breeze in Philadelphia, South Philly. Uh, house has a tax abatement. I paid three twenty five for it. I put five percent down, conventional loan, primary residence. Uh, my whole goal going into this was, and I saw what other people were doing. I said, okay, this house hacking thing. It's a new term, but people have been doing this for a long time, right? In, right. in the, the history of humans, right? We just deemed it house hacking. I don't know, you know, bigger pockets. I think that's a bigger pockets thing, yeah. Bigger pockets thing, right? Uh, and I'm like, all right, this is this is cool. So let's let's get into a house for little money down. I'm gonna live in it, and then I'm gonna totally get rid of my living expenses. And that was my whole goal going into this first house. That was literally my goal. I didn't think about what I'm gonna do with it long term. I didn't think about a long term rental. I just said. What can I do to live for free? Right? We like living free yeah. around and here. And you guys love living. <laughs> I was like, what, what can I do to live for free? Right? Everyone needs a place to live. Either you're paying a mortgage or you're paying rent or you're living at home with mom and dad. That's just the nature of the world we live in. So 
I bought the house. Uh, the downstairs bedroom was an open concept basement. I put a wall in. I turned that into a bedroom. It's not legally a bedroom, but I live down there. I ended up renting uh, the top two bedrooms uh, for the first 10 months that I lived there. Uh, so I rented those out for 700, 750, probably could have got a little bit more. It's just a learning lesson, right? Um, so that came out to about 1450. My mortgage is 1500 right on the dot. So I was essentially paying $50 a month plus Easy. utilities <laughs> and $100 out of my pocket every month for 10 months. So what that allowed me to do was to take money from my W-2 job, put that in investments, put that in cash, right? So now I'm at the point after you know those 10 months where I had a lot of money saved up. Uh, one roommate moved out. I still have one guy that's living there after two years. Uh, probably looking to move that into a long-term rental soon and buy my next place and kind of doing the same thing over again and just repeating the process as, as you guys know of. So. That's kind of the totally. the rundown of uh, the first deal. So yeah, that's that's exactly what I did. Is is just house hack and bounce around every year. Um, move from the old one, and then either take the roommates with me, and if they came with, and I would short term rent the old place, and uh, the portfolio grew pretty heavily from then. Um, sounds like your strategy really helped you dive into maybe some more shares at Apple. Uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely not so much Apple. I would say just more. I'm a big. Big guy in Vanguard index funds, love them. ETFs, uh, Vanguard funds, uh, and and like I said in the beginning of the show, I'm I'm not giving out advice to people, but you know when you look at a index fund that you're going to buy, I think it's important to look at what it's invested in, what the expense ratio is. Um, Obviously, you can look at historical returns, but that doesn't predict future returns of a of a fund. But when you look at Vanguard. I mean, the whole reason Vanguard was created was for the investor. Um, like Jack, Jack, Jack Bogle. I mean, he was the guy, rest in peace, that you know created that company, and he really did it for the people that were getting ripped off of Wall Street. That's really why, at the end of the day, why Vanguard was created, and it's 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 done really really well for people over time. So, um, yeah, I'm a big big guy, and you know, I own a bunch of different index funds within Vanguard. So. Yeah, super cool. I used to work at Vanguard for a while, um, and the culture, they just nice. pound down your throat. Like everything <laughs> you're doing is to take care of the investors yep. who are, one, yep. putting you into a job, and you're returning the favor by making sure they're taken care of. And it's a really cool concept. I would love to hear you touch more on expense ratio for those people out there who aren't fully versed on index funds and how they work. Yeah, so really simple. I'm just kind of going to break it down. Really, all an expense ratio is of what the what the fund is going to charge you a fee every year to hold that fund within uh, that broker. So, like I know most uh, funds that I have are anywhere from like 0.01 to like 0.07. So most Vanguard funds are right around that like 0.03 expense ratio. So if you kind of to just break it down simply for people, um, that's something to look at whenever you're buying a fund to kind of see how much you're being charged on that fund for having your money invested within that fund. So if that makes sense, uh, that's that's kind of what a expense ratio ratio is. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. It made sense to me. I wasn't really familiar with that, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally nailed it. I mean, most expense ratios have to be disclosed. I mean, that's how they work. Yeah. And- you see other fund managers take, I've seen up to 2% and I hate seeing when people are, are well, getting 
paying a fee of 2% just to have their money managed every year that's coming out, that sets you back 2% on any investment that you're making. Yeah. Whereas with an expense ratio, like you said, of 0.01 to 0.07%, yeah. you're in a much better position out the gate. It's, yeah. it's like starting a race 100 meters. Ahead. Yeah, totally. No, and I mean, and listen, I, I, you know, I have family in the financial services industry. Uh, you know, I believe in it, but for people out there that, you know, are looking to invest their money, I think you should always be transparent about what fees you're being charged you know, what's, what's the, what are the mutual funds that I'm, I'm investing in? What are the index funds I'm investing in? What's the expense ratio? And then what am I being charged by the advisor? You know, I think a lot of people don't really understand things like that. Then they just give their money to someone, uh, which is fine. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, going down on financial advisors. I think they're, they're definitely needed in this world, but I think you should just understand it, right? Understand what you're investing in understand what you're being charged for because over time expenses really add up and that could mean the difference between you know half a million dollars to a million dollars over time in long-term oh, growth totally. and i've seen it so that's that's always something i always tell people to keep in mind there's nothing wrong with using an advisor but just know what you're paying for uh so that's always a question to ask yeah, that's yeah. a great tip to give to the people. Yeah. One yeah. percent over thirty years, like you said, can compound to a half a million dollar to a million dollars. Absolutely. State, no problem. Absolutely. So yeah. Always, always know that. So it sounds like to me, and one of the reasons I like uh, index funds is they're so passive. And we're real big uh, advocates of passive investments here on the show. Um, is that one of the reasons you like index funds or? Yeah, I, I, I like index funds because yeah, they're, they're very passive, but I also like them, especially Vanguard funds, majority of their funds give dividends, right? And like I made a note here of, you know, I'm not gonna go deep into numbers, but just my portfolio last year, just in dividends was between $1,500 and $2,000, just in dividends. Wow. And that's just extra on top. And that's just extra on top. So over time, what a lot of people don't realize is that stuff compounds. And right okay. now I'm just reinvesting those dividends back in the fund, but when your portfolio grows, when the market grows over a 10 to 15 year period, that dividend could pay for your car. That dividend could pay for a family vacation. That dividend could pay for whatever you want, right? While not even touching your principal in your account. So I always try to tell people to keep that in mind because dividends is what really propels people's investment portfolios over time. When people take those dividends and they reinvest them and they keep reinvesting them, and then one day hopefully they live off of them and they're not even touching their principal, that's pretty cool. Uh, so that's why I like index funds too, and especially REITs. Like I, I own uh, one of the Vanguard uh, REITs, which is just a basic real estate investment trust. And for people that don't know what that is, it's basically owning different real estate investment trusts in, in a whole basket of, of different uh, real estate investment trusts. So like, for instance, I own part of public storage that's in the Vanguard Real Estate Investment Trust, uh, one of their one of their uh, index funds. So REITs are really cool. I like REITs because they give higher dividends. Uh, you can go buy an individual REIT just like you're buying a stock, you know, with a basic brokerage account. Um, but yeah, I really like the, uh, one of the Vanguard, um, I think it's, I don't know, I didn't write off the top of my head. I think it's VG STLX. Don't quote me on that, but it's, it's one of those, um, one of those reads. So yeah, that's another reason why I love index funds. It's super cool how you can get into the stock market and into real estate 
while still being passive, not knowing what you're doing, just drop into some of these index funds and let the people who do them do them for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super passive, awesome investment. How do you decide how much you put into stocks? Do you do like a percentage of your income or do you do X amount after each month, week? Yeah. Well, well what should I be doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what you should do because everyone's situation is different. And like I said, I'm, I'm not here to give advice. I'm just here to educate people, right? Um, yeah, I usually take uh, a percentage of my income every month. Um, right now, I've been putting anywhere from like 600 bucks to 1500 bucks a month in the market, especially because the market's down right now. Right. Um, oh, totally. right. Like a lot of people are feel fearful right now, but this is a good time to buy if you don't need the money, uh, you know, in the next, I'd say three to five years because right. stock market's great, but unfortunately we don't control and we don't know when it's going to come back up. Um, but I think it really depends on the individual. I always say $50 is better than $0. <laughs> right. Right. I think a lot of people stress about, oh, I need to put three, four, five hundred dollars because so and so said to, and then I won't get the return over twenty years. No, like I dollar cost average, and you know, for what people listening to this don't know, that dollar cost averaging is just basically putting money in the market whether the market is up or down. No matter what the market's doing, you're putting that same amount in every month, every week, or every two weeks whenever you decide to do it. Uh, so I always say, do what works for you. Uh, Everyone's situation is totally different, you know. It, you know, you can't you can't compare yourself to other people. Uh, you just got to do what works for you. I think you know we can touch upon this. I think having an emergency fund, having cash, is super important because life happens. It's gonna happen. Shit's gonna happen, and you got to be prepared for it. And then you know you can when you have an emergency fund, you have a lot of cash. You can invest money in the market when it's down. You can pay off debt. You can use that cash for a down payment on a piece of property, right? So there's a lot of different things you can do. But I always say kind of do all those things at once, like invest in the market, establish an emergency fund, and pay off debt. You can do all three of those things, all the, three of those things at one time. You don't have to, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big Dave Ramsey fan. I don't want to talk down on him, but he's a big guy and just paying off debt quick and getting it out of the way, but. Sometimes that might not be the best idea for people to do that. So, yeah, everyone, just my two cents. Yeah, everyone's situation is situation is different, and I, I love the fact that you dive into dollar cost averaging, mostly because it's passive, oh, totally. um, but also because of all the studies that show that when you dollar cost average, you're more likely to outperform anyone who is looking at it intensely and trying to time the market. Yeah, you None can't, of us have that crystal ball. No, no, no. The, the, there's no point in timing the market and there's no point in um, you know, being fearful either because the market will come back up. Um, you know, We've had a really high the last couple years and I think people are still on that high and the highs don't last in, in every market, in real estate and stock market and everything else. So I think if you just stick to your goals and you're thinking long term, I think you're going to be good. So that's what I always say to people. Euphoria does not last forever. No. I didn't. wish it did. <laughs> now, let me throw a curveball at you. All right, let's do what it. What do you think about dollar cost averaging applied to real estate investing? Oh, oh that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I think I think it's good. I think, you know, we were talking about before the show is that interest rates you know, have 
have been higher, have, have been lower. Uh, right now, obviously, as you know, the, the Fed increased rates and rates are going up. Uh, I think it's making buyers a little hesitant to buy because, you know, the rate that they got six months ago, that mortgage payment might have gone up two, three hundred bucks a month. That's a lot of money, right? You know, that that's a lot of money for people to be paying down a mortgage. But in real estate, you always win when you buy, as you guys know, and I, you can disagree with me. I always think when you buy whatever price that you offer for that home, that's when you win. It's not when you sell, it's, it's when you buy. So if you buy at a price that, you know, is below asking and you get it for a good price, that might, that, that might help you win in the long term. So I think with real estate, I always think it's a good buy. It's, it's always a good time to buy real estate, regardless of what the rates are. That's just my my two cents. I'm sure you guys probably agree with that too. Totally. Oh yeah. Uh, the the yeah. best time to buy real estate was yesterday. The next best time is today. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's it's the saying, man. And I, I think it, it going back to my point, it's always on when you buy. So if you can get a home, if you can get a building, if you can get an apartment, whatever you're doing, if you can get it at the price that you want it at, add value to it or whatever your goals are with the property, then that's that's when you're gonna win, I think, in the long term. I totally agree. If you can buy and the numbers work for you when you buy it, then you're set. Yeah. You your dollar cost averaging. Exactly. Exactly. So every, you know, like we just said, everyone's goals are different. So it's just a matter of what your goals are with it. Love that. Um, going back to stocks a little bit, do you have particular times that you will take money out? No. So I've actually never, I, I've sold very few stocks that I've had. Um, but in terms of like index funds with Vanguard index funds, I have never sold any of my funds. Wow. And if I needed the money, um, again, this is not advice. I would just take out a line of credit on right, the yeah, on the them. borrow against them and put that into an asset that can pay back that line of credit. Smart. Uh, yeah. So that's called a security securities back line of credit. Um, like I said, this is an advice for people going to do that. Uh, because you got to think about if you're putting money in the market, uh, you're going to pay capital gains on it. Right. So depending on your tax bracket, that could be short-term capital gains, which is less than a year, or long-term capital gains. But long-term capital gains, you're still you're still going to end up paying anywhere from 15 to 20%. Wild. Um, so if you take out a line of credit, like the wealthiest people in this world do, they never pay tax on that money. Right. It's just like taking a line of credit out on a house and taking a HELOC. It's tax-free money. So as long as you can pay back that that loan and your account value in the market doesn't dip below that amount of you know where that threshold is at, then it could be really effective. You just got to be careful with it. You don't want to over leverage yourself like you know many people do. So you just got to be careful with that. Yeah, right. yeah, great strategy. Whenever yeah. you can access tax free money, that sounds like a home run to me. Yeah, so. absolutely. So yeah, securities back line of credit, tax free. Uh, home equity line of credit tax free. So, yeah. Wow. I'm definitely going to start looking into some of those to, to try to buy more real estate. Yeah, definitely. You have a lot of stocks just sitting around. I, I don't. I need to be a little more like Will. <laughs> I think 97% of my money is in real estate last yeah. time I checked, which yeah, scared to admit, but I'll be more like Will someday. Yeah. Hopefully. Out. Something that you got you to be careful with it, though. Like I said, this that's not advice for people to go do that, but. Uh, I think we can all use a education class on taxes, right? I think a lot of I think a lot of people don't understand taxes, right? Like money and understanding money is important, but understanding taxes is actually more important, in my opinion. 
So if you can understand taxes and how to minimize your taxes, that's that's a good strategy to use if you use it effectively. So Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, what would you say to, to people that want to get into stocks but just don't know which one to pick or don't know where to start? Uh, I, I would think about... I'm, I think I'm very biased towards index funds because when you buy an index fund, you're buying basically an entire basket of stocks in one fund. So it most likely is not going to fluctuate like a stock can drop in a certain day, right? Like you can see a stock drop $10 one day, $10 right. the next day. When you own an index fund, there's, you know, let's just say an S&P Vanguard index fund, right? You're, you're tracking the S&P 500, right? There's five hundred of the biggest companies in that fund, right? So right. maybe half of those go up, half of those go down, it might balance you out, right? So index funds are more diversified. You're you're not gonna see over time things drop down as much as you would with an individual stock. So but if someone was looking at individual stocks, I would say uh, look at companies that you find value in. Uh, like Warren Buffett always says, I buy stocks that I believe in the companies. I find value in those companies. Warren Buffett owns Coca-Cola. He drinks Coke every single day. Right. <laughs> he finds value in that company, right? Buy good companies, okay? Like, look at things like the iPhone, right? Owning Apple stock. They're not going anywhere. They're not going <laughs> anywhere. This, like, this thing, this computer is not going anywhere for as long as we're on this earth, probably. Totally. So Apple might be a good stock to buy, right? It's one of the biggest market caps um, you know, on the market. That could be a good opportunity. I think... You know, people just do research on like what are good companies that they find value in that they believe in. That's what I would really kind of go down the, the the rabbit hole at first and kind of look that way. And then if you know you want to do index funds, you know, look at an index fund and then look at that fund and what stocks are owned within that fund. That's that's kind of the way I would go about it. Love it. Yeah. My favorite part about the approach you just described is you don't have to be an expert to, to get started. No, 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 you don't. And yeah. on that topic, for for those who aren't super versed and you're coming out with a course, what do you cover in, in the, the one-on-one course and, and what you're working yeah, on? Yeah, so with with a lot of people that I've coached, it's, it's more of kind of figuring out their mindset surrounding money. I think that's, that's the first thing we always touch upon is like, what's really important to you in life? You know, what do you value? What do you want to do with your life? How do you want to use money in your life? Because I think a lot of people don't really know. And they just kind of spend money aimlessly. But I always encourage people, like people that I've coached, you know, I always say in one column on a sheet of paper, write down the stuff that's really important to you. Whether that's like living free, spending money on family, spending money on my relationship, spending money on healthy food to put in my body. And then on the right hand column, write down the stuff that like you really just don't care about. Right. Maybe it's the, the fancy car. Maybe it's the designer clothes. Maybe it's just stuff that doesn't really bring you value in your life. So I always coach people on figuring that out first and then, you know, kind of running down, you know, people's monthly expenses, where they can cut down, where they can increase their income possibly. Uh, so we kind of run through that. But the course that I'm building, it's really going to be structured is, is what I just said and then kind of take people step one of, Hey, this is how I can buy my first home. This is how I can open up a brokerage account at Vanguard, at Fidelity, at Charles Schwab. This is what a Roth IRA is. This is what a 401k is. This is what an IRA is. This is all the tax benefits you get with all those accounts and what you don't get with those accounts. Uh, 
all of it's not advice. It's just kind of giving people a guideline of things to explore and then kind of giving real life examples of what I've done and showing people and being super transparent about what I did in my life and, you know, what's kind of happened from it. So that's kind of what the, what the course is going to be about. Sounds super exciting. Yeah. What kind of car do you drive? I drive a 2019 Nissan Sentra. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what we expected. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, man, like I, I and I don't say this to, to sound arrogant or anything, but I could definitely drive an expensive car. I just choose not to right now in my life. I always told myself once I get to the point where I have enough cash flow coming in that can pay for the luxury car that I want, that's when I'll buy that. And so, until I get to that point, which I'm not at that point, I'm not getting the car. So, so once the car payment is more than well covered by all the dividends, that's when we get <laughs> by the, the dividends right. and the real estate rental income. That's when I get the car because then I have assets paying for my liabilities. That's right. Right. The, 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 the income from a job or a business, it's not coming out of there. It's coming from my assets. So basically all my assets are paying for my expenses in my life. That's the point that I want to get to. So I yeah. love that philosophy. And when people want to reach out and get access to you or the course, like what's the best way to reach out to you for that? Um, definitely through Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm on there a lot. That's pretty much the only, you know, medium I use is, is Instagram. I, I started a TikTok account, believe it or not, like a couple months ago. It's, I don't see you being a good dancer. No offense. <laughs> no, it's terrible. I won't, I won't even try to do that. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, I would say on Instagram, I do still have a website. Uh, the course will be on there. Um, I don't use it that much anymore. I kind of do everything off Instagram. Like, uh, you know, I have all my my links in there for my coaching. Um, I wrote a, a free house hacking guide for people. It's like a really short 20, 25 page house hacking guide of kind of what I did. Different, you know, first time home buyer loans and grants that people can qualify for of stuff that I've researched that, you know, I think someone looking to live for free and save money and then buy more real estate or take that money invest in the stock market they can do that so i have all that as a free guide you can literally go on my account uh shoot me your email i could send it over to you and then i i send out a newsletter twice a month just on basic personal finance topics real estate market like nature of the economy i kind of take it a bunch of different directions and just kind of give people free advice so yeah love it and your tag is at will talks money Sounds great. Sounds great. Sounds fitting. Yeah, <laughs> very, sound very, very fitting. fitting. Yeah. <laughs> um, one quick question I have for you is: is how would you say your income and expenses are? are? You are you more on the frugal side? Or are you kind of in the middle? Or where would you say you're? Yeah, at? I would say I wouldn't say my girlfriend always tells me I'm frugal. I think it's just the way I grew up. Uh, my parents, my parents were definitely. I definitely grew up like upper middle class, upper class, but they still always complain that they had no money. So I always heard that growing up and they were always like, save, 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 invest your money. And I kind of just like have that still ingrained in my brain and I'm still trying to work through that process. So I don't think I'm frugal. I just think I spend money on the things that make me happy, which is travel, good food, putting healthy food in my body, going out to dinner, um, and then putting money in investments. Like everything else I don't really care about. Uh, you know, so if it's something that's going to benefit my, my body, my health, my long-term life on this earth, I'm all for it. If it's something that I'm going to spend money on travel and bringing myself and people around me enjoyment, then I'm going to spend money on it. Everything else is just kind of fluff to me. Um, 
but that's just me, you know, like it's totally fair. Yeah. Someone else might want to go buy that car or want to go buy that thousand dollar jacket or whatever. But to me, I just, I don't, I don't really see that stuff. I don't get me wrong. I have nice things. Um, but you know, I don't buy them for the wrong reasons. Like I'm not, I would never buy a nice thing in order to impress someone. And I think that's kind of where a lot of people get stuck sometimes and they don't really ask themselves like, why are you actually buying this thing? Like, is it going to bring you joy? Because if it's going to bring you joy and make you happy, then I'm all for it. Because we all spend our money different ways. So totally, everyone's different, but that's just me. Man, that is must be the biggest compliment you can receive from your girlfriend. Saying that. <laughs> if, if my girlfriend said that to me, I'd yeah. be ecstatic. Yeah, <laughs> she she'll she'll probably listen to this and she'll she'll definitely laugh at that, or she might get a little mad. I don't know. <laughs> so, but yeah, every everyone's different, man. So I, I think it's just it's figuring out what you value in your life. Uh, so I always encourage people to really like get down deep with that stuff like write write it down like really really get in touch with yourself on what you want to spend money on in your life so yeah it makes a lot of sense i want to pivot to financial independence because you've already kind of hinted to a lot of the different uh, avenues that that applies to finance um what does financial independence mean to you and why do you think people should be looking into that topic uh, so to me, financial independence means uh, living free, as you guys know, and, and just, just living life on your own terms. I think once you get to the point in your life where either you're getting money from an investment portfolio or you're getting money from real estate and it's covering your expenses every month, you're free, right? Like, Fair, yeah. But, you know, a lot of people get to that point and they're like, well, I want to do this now. And, you know, we like... As humans, like we're born to work, we're born to produce, we're born to do stuff. So like, I don't think I'm ever going to stop working. It's just that every day, every year, I'm going to get closer and closer to what I actually want to do. So I think that's always something that people should strive towards because I always look at it as like, every time you invest a dollar, every time you buy a house, you're just that much closer to being free. Right? Like you're, you're that much closer to like saying goodbye to the job or maybe go taking a job of like what you actually want to do versus doing something that maybe you have a really high income, but like you don't really enjoy it. Right. So I always tell people that like every time you invest money, every time you buy a house, you're just that much closer to living the life that you really want to live. So I love the thought process that every dollar invested gets you a little bit closer to having your time back and being able to do what you want. Yeah it's super motivating just genuinely super motivating to hear it broken down in those terms yeah but you got you still got to live in the present moment that's what i always tell people you know and that's stuff i always struggle with sometimes too and i think a lot of people do that are chasing financial independence is that you know they're so focused long term on the future that they're not really enjoying the present moment because yesterday is gone we're sitting here right now doing this podcast we're never going to get back yesterday right you know if you ask the the 70 year old guy or girl, would you rather have $10 million, $15 million at this point in your life or be 30 years old again? They're going to be 30. They're probably going to be 30 and they'd rather have no money, right? Like we don't get our time back. Uh, you know, so I think that's, that's something I personally struggle with a lot. And I think a lot of people could attest to that is finding that, that perfect balance of like living in the now, but also investing in, in your future and financial independence. 
Certainly, and I, I think that is something that a lot of people seem to struggle with or be bad at with on the other end. Like you said, they're either dishing too much cash out for things they might not need or they're too caught up in trying to save so much that they miss out on the moments. Yeah, and yeah. I have something special for you. Um, we just recently started a real estate meetup on Thursdays at South Bowl. Oh, nice. I nice. don't know if you know about South Bowl, yeah, but they yeah, do I've been there. $3 yeah. games on Thursdays. Yes. <laughs> so we can get you out, not miss the moment without breaking the bank. Let's that, see, those are the types of things you need to find, right? Because there's a lot of things in life that are free that you can really enjoy doing. But there you go. We could go bowling for $3. So. That's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal. I'd I'd definitely be down for that. I've been working on my strike, too, so we've got to get back out there. (laughs) Oh, you're going to love the way Mikey throws the ball. Nice. I I, I can't can't wait to see that. That's awesome. I look like the worst bowler that somehow gets strikes sometimes. All right. Cool. Be excited. Cool. (laughs) Be excited. All right. Let's do it. Mikey's, Mikey's bowling is like an index fund in the sense that there's all types of things going on in there. And it's very <laughs> Goes diversified. Up down cost. to the left, to the right. Who knows? We have no, we have no idea what's going to happen. So, but he does do a good job overall. I would say the performance is is up. So good. All right. I good. broke a hundred last time. I broke a hundred. <laughs> that's the goal. Just get to hundred. That's, get over that's 100. all it is. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what you got to strive for. So, with kind of the consulting that you've been doing what are a couple maybe three major tips you give to newer investors and then after that we'll separate it and break down for someone super experienced like if you were sitting down with jack bogle like what kind of tips would you want to try to toss at that guy um so for someone starting out i would really write down everything that you spend money on every month like i'm not i i always encourage people to set up a budget but i I just hate the, the the word budget in general. I really do. Like, I, I try not to use it because I think when people hear budget, they hear like, oh no, like I'm restricted from like doing things. the fun disappears. Yeah, like the fun disappears in my life. Like I have to sit home every weekend or every night and not do anything. Like, no, that's not the point. But look at, really look at, like write down or put in an Excel file of, of what you spend money on every month. What's your, What's your income after taxes coming in? whether you own a business, whether you work a job, whatever that is. What's your what's your rent payment? What's your mortgage payment? What's your what's your student loan payment? What's your car payment? How much money do you spend on eating out every month, right? Like I've talked to people before that make 125 grand, 150 grand a year, but they live paycheck to paycheck. Like something's not right there, right? Like they, you know, they they have a high car payment, they have a high rent, they eat out four nights a week, they spend money going out on the weekends, like you can probably cut down in a lot of those areas. So I think that's the first step. And then look at your debts, right? If if you're in credit card debt, if you have student loans, um, if you have a car payment, right? Like look at your, your highest interest debt or look at your smallest interest debt. Um, you know, we can get into that. Like there's the snowball method, the avalanche method of you guys probably heard of paying off debt, right? So I always kind of preach that, right? Of like looking at your highest debt, looking at your, your lowest debt and, and where do you want to focus on that? Uh, I don't like going back to like Dave Ramsey, right? Like he's a big believer and I'm not saying it's wrong is just pay off the debt first. That's what you need to do first. That's cool. But here, here's the thing. Like, let's say someone has 
$20,000 of student loan debt. And they have 25000 or $20,000 sitting in cash. And they're like, you know what? I want to wipe out all my student loan debt. And they pay off that debt. Okay, well, now where's the twenty grand? Now you're at zero. Now you're at zero, right? And and I've seen people do that. I've, I know people that have done that. I don't believe in that because depending on what interest you're paying on the loan, you can still pay down that debt. Yeah, it might take five, seven, eight years to pay off, but now you have money that you can invest, go put it in assets that are going to make you more money over the long term, right? Because oh. you don't, yeah, you like student debt, for instance, right? You go to school, you get a degree, but once you pay off that debt, the money's gone. Right. You paid off the debt, you don't have a payment anymore, but now you're back to zero. So you can certainly arbitrage the rate you of return you can get on an investment. And I absolutely. think that's, that's what you're hinting at. Is yes. You can, you can find an asset and there's places that I don't want to say you can safely park that will get you more than yeah. a 3% student loan. Yeah. But it's a lot easier to find something that's going to return you more than the 3% loan totally. than it is to totally. throw it at the loan. Yeah. Like if you, yeah, if you have a car payment, that's 3%, 4% and you have a student loan payment, that's three to 5%, you know, yeah, the stock market's down this year, but you might be able to take that cash and put it in a property or put it in the market and the market might go up 9% that year. So now you just made a return on your money versus if you paid off that debt, you wouldn't have any money. Now it disappeared, it's gone. <laughs> so I always try to kind of frame that in a picture to people. And I think sometimes people struggle with that because they're just like, I don't want this debt anymore. I want it to be gone. Like debt's bad, debt's bad. Like a lot of people have student loan debt. There's nothing wrong with it, it's okay. You know, I think it just depends on what your interest rate is, what your monthly payment is. So start there, go through your expenses, um, list those down, and then kind of figure out um, where you want to go from there. You know, do you want to start opening up a retirement account? Do you have a retirement account at work? Um, do you want to start opening a brokerage account with an investment firm like Vanguard, like Fidelity, like Schwab, and start putting money in there monthly? Do you want to start putting money an emergency fund every month. I think you can do all those things at the same time. Um, it's just setting a plan and then going with the plan and just attacking the plan and sticking to it. Every month is not gonna be perfect. You're not perfect, right? Like I said in the beginning of the show, life happens, things are gonna come up, expenses are gonna come up, you're gonna have to pay for shit. It's just, that's just life, right? But I think starting with that stuff uh, and really figuring out what's important to you is, is kind of where I walk through people through and, and kind of where we start. Totally. You'll have good months. You'll have bad months. Uh, it sounds like making a debt strategy is, is one of your, your key recommendations here. You yeah. Do, you don't have to have a budget, but more so just open the spreadsheet, get in there uh, you need, and just look, you, look, at, look in the yeah. spreadsheet mirror. Yeah. You, know? you just need to see it on a piece of paper, right? Like a lot of people, when you put it down in an Excel file or like you write it down, you're like, holy shit, man. I'm spending way more I, than I thought I was. I'm spending yeah. way more than I thought I was. And that's why I always encourage people to do that. Like, it sucks. It really does. Like, it's not fun doing that stuff. But, like, you got, you got to do it. Like, you got to write it down. You got to put in an Excel file. And then, you know what? Once you do that, then you kind of just have a clearer picture of where you need to go and where you want to go. And then you can kind of get down with what your goals are and what you want to accomplish. So, starting there is a, is, is a really good point. It's like stepping on a scale and checking your weight, but for it's, finance. No, it's it really is. It's the same thing. It, it it's the same thing. It's like someone someone who wants to lose weight. They're like, okay, I you know I weigh this amount. What do I need to do to get there? What do I need to do to be healthy and live a healthy lifestyle? It's the same thing with your finances. It applies to all areas of your life. 
um, it all has some type of connection, like you said. So, totally. Yeah. Well, I think those are really awesome tips on how to approach finance. Now, let's pivot into for someone who's super experienced. <laughs> curveball like what kind of recommendations do you have for people who are are already doing pretty well like how can they take their game to the next level well i would say really really figure out like what your strategy is going to be right when you start off you kind of just you have these goals you're starting off you're just kind of getting your feet wet you're investing money you're buying a property but then like try to figure out what your strategy is like how can i start you know leveraging assets safely how can i start buying properties that are undervalued adding value to them how can i start buying stocks that maybe drop 30 bucks or 40 bucks but i'm going to buy them at the low because i know the stock might go back up right and we're in a down market i think that's what really really wealthy people take advantage of like warren buffett i think was sitting on like i forget how many billion dollars worth of cash like this past year like he loves when the stock market drops like that's like that's like a party to him because everything's at a discount he knows which stocks have long-term value in them and those are the stocks that he puts his money in right like the you know the 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 person that owns the assets at the end of the day is the person that wins right in my honest opinion right i mean you can make millions and millions of dollars a year but you're going to be taxed at a higher tax bracket but if you own stocks, if you own real estate, the tax advantage in our tax laws are in your favor. So that's what I always, you know, I would say to someone with a lot of money is like, okay, how can I leverage my assets or come up with more cash to buy more assets? Great. Yeah. yeah. Those are really solid tips. And yeah. something that stuck with me from earlier in the episode is, is looking for places that you can find tax-free money to create more leverage and get more mm-hmm. assets. Places that you, you didn't realize you had to... Mm-hmm. To tap into absolutely that was awesome yeah yeah um what else you got i think the only other question i have for you is rebalancing um if you're investing a certain percentage of your money into different assets mm-hmm. obviously those different baskets or buckets are going to be growing at a higher rate mm-hmm. just naturally um by the nature of finance so for someone, for example, who say might be 97% invested in real estate <laughs> and their real estate earns so much money and it's just naturally reinvested by mortgage pay down or the likes of you know the nature of real estate, how would you get someone like that out of a 97% real estate bucket and a more balanced spread, hypothetically speaking? Yeah, right. you, you know, it might be crazy, but this kind of sounds like you, JD. <laughs> well, maybe. I'm asking for a friend. Okay. Yes, yeah, we're asking for a friend. Um, I don't know. There, there's nothing. I mean, listen. You you love real estate. I love real estate too. I just right now at the moment I have more money in the stock market. Um, someone like Grant Cardone, like that guy, loves real estate. Man, hates the stock market, right? But that's just him. Um, he loves cash flow. He has a ton of cash all the time. And you know, I've I, I've said this many times in the episode, but. When you have a lot of cash, you can take a lot of advantages of opportunities. So I don't think it's wrong to be, you know, have more of percentage of all your assets in real estate. It's just make sure you have that cushion, right? Like, you know, there's going to be vacancies. There's going to be times where you might not have properties run out. Your property values might go down in value, right? It's just, just, I always, I would always say just like, make sure you have a lot of cash on you. And then 
maybe take that some of that cash and put some of it in the market or you know play around with index funds etfs buy some stocks that you like companies that you like that you find value in that you think are good value stocks and growth stocks over time so that's what i would say okay so reinvesting the, the cash you are making into into other buckets yeah yeah makes a lot of sense cool yeah so jump to that um all right how are you currently finding investment properties that, that you might want to go into um yeah like i said in the show I'm, I'm looking to buy house number two here pretty soon uh the way i look is you know i'm connected with a bunch of different agents to get you know mls listings or just doing your typical search on realtors zillow trulia um you know finding looking for houses on there looking for houses that you know, maybe you've come down in price and asking price and seeing if, if there's an opportunity there. That's, that's I would say, the, the nature of kind of uh, how I find houses. Or if, you know, I have a couple agents that, that send me properties and they say, hey, Will, this might be a good deal. Take a look at it. Then that's that's kind of how I'm, I'm getting properties too. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, oh, here's a good one. Uh, what type of personal investment has had the highest return for you? So whether it be a course or whatever, however you want to take that question. Uh, investing in myself for sure. Uh, that's the best investment you're going to get. So, um, I did a, uh, it was a, it was like a personal development business seminar many, many years ago. Um, you know, I was surrounded by people that were multimillionaires, people that were doctors, people that were lawyers, people that were from all different walks of life, but they all had one purpose to be there. And that was to better themselves. That was to, to grow, to learn, um, you know, I learned a lot about myself. Uh, I learned a lot about business, other people, um, and just how important relationships are in life, and how you know it's it's super important to give in relationships that you have. So I think the best return I ever got was probably that seminar, probably that course, but just continuously investing in books. Um, investing in like like i've talked about on the show investing in healthy foods to put in my body i mean that stuff right there is an investment totally right whether you look at it or not that way investing in in good food is is an investment in yourself uh so i always i always say if if i'm spending money on something that's going to make me a better person or help me grow financially or professionally then then that's a good investment all right all right um we're going to jump to part of the show of it's called the live free three Let's we're going to see three questions we asked every guest that comes on our show. And uh, yeah. So what is your favorite investing book or podcast and why? So I have a couple written down here because I want to remember them. So favorite book. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of a guy named Ramit Sethi. Um, he wrote a book called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. I know uh, that title. Yeah. So he he's a good dude. Um, I, I was actually supposed to go to one of his meetups in Philly, but it got canceled, uh, during COVID. Um, he's not a big real estate guy. He's a big real estate guy when you do it effectively, but he's a guy that wrote this book. I will teach you to be rich just about, it's a lot about the stock market. Mainly there's some real estate stuff in there, but it's, it's more so about going back to earlier in the show of you know, figuring out, as he calls it, what your rich life is, right? You know, figuring out what what you need to be happy and what you want to spend money on to be happy. And 
you know, you, I think he made a comment in his book about, you know, if, if that means getting Starbucks every day, seven days of the week, then go do that, right? But then maybe there's some other area where you can cut back, but you got to focus on the bigger stuff too, like increasing your income, you know, investing in the market for the long term, like focus on the bigger, bigger picture stuff, like the big questions, like, should I buy this house? Should I not buy this house? Should I take this new job that has an increase in salary? Like stuff like that. And, you know, he talks a lot about side hustles and kind of figuring out, you know, what you're really good at in life and where you can bring value to people. So I think that's super important. That's why I love the book, because it kind of gives you like a little personal reflection of going deep into yourself of what really is important to you. So totally. that's why I think it's a really good book for people to read. It's a super creative title and how it kind of redefines the word rich. Um, almost misleading, and I, I really like the way that that was his that, whole point with that, the title. That, I think, that he yeah, played it. yeah, um, yeah. And I, I think you make a huge point in that if I'm trying to make a decision on whether to buy a house or not, or to invest in something and pour some of my money into something, I really don't want to miss out on my Starbucks because I need coffee to make that decision. No, and if coffee is important to you and it keeps you going throughout the day, man, then do it, right? Like, you know, don't, don't, don't skip out on the things that that make you happy like think about the bigger picture stuff the bigger dollar value stuff right focus on that stuff totally. so that that's a lot of what he he goes over in the book so yeah and i love that you touch on the starbucks thing um there's this guy on youtube graham stefan maybe you've heard yeah of him. yeah oh yeah yeah um, graham is. he he i've heard him say one time that if you want to do things like like buy that that starbucks every day figure out how much maybe you have to buy in stocks to get that dividend which will pay for that starbucks like, so if you want to buy go, things man. that you want every day figure out how how much money you have to invest to to make that pay for that thing and exactly that, i think I'd, I'd love that honestly. yeah um next one we have here is uh your biggest goal this year and why it's important to you um so biggest goal i would say is buying house number two for sure that's i i would say that's my biggest goal totally. um yeah moving into that house rent out my current house and then just kind of doing the same strategy that i'm doing right now is house hacking have roommates live in uh, and then move out in another year or so and then do another one. Um, that's kind of what my strategy is. You could probably, JD, attest to that. But, you know, I think that's that's kind of where my, my head's at right now. So Big house hack guy, which yeah. leads me to kind of a spinoff question on this one. What do you look for when you look for a house hack? Because I've done this a million times oh, over and there's things good, that yeah. I look for, but I want to hear it from you. All right. So I think what I look for, so the house that I bought, Right, I like the house because one, when I bought it, it had a tax abatement. So for those of you listening that don't know, uh, the city of Philadelphia imposed a tax abatement on new construction homes, I think in what, like the mid 90s maybe, late 90s? It's, you know it's, the exact? It's been a minute. It's been around for about like 20, 20 some years for sure. So basically the, the whole reason that they did that was to spur development in the city because the city wasn't really developing real estate wise. They wanted to bring jobs. They wanted to bring developers down to the city to build homes. And you know what they did is kind of impose a tax abatement. So basically you're only getting taxed on the land value uh, of the property. So that's something I look at. I know you can definitely attest to that. So I'm looking for, for newer homes with lower taxes because that means that my taxes are gonna be low it's a newer home, so I can definitely charge a higher rent. Being that it's a newer home, it's updated, it's finished. Um, it, it you know it's to the standards in today of how a house should look, right, and what people are looking for. So that's that's something I look. And then yeah, I look at local local rents on you know that specific neighborhood of what other apartments similar to that house are renting out for. 
So those are the main things I look for. And then, you know, with my house, I, I put up a wall in the basement. It's not legally a bedroom, but you know, I live down there and I have my bedroom down there so I can rent up the other two bedrooms. So if there's an opportunity to do stuff like that, then I would look for that as well. That was a, a huge play for you um, to, to put that wall up and kind of create an, an extra level of income and really up what you could do with your house hack. Yeah. I think that's huge. And you touched on a lot of awesome points with the tax abatement and how you get newer construction. I think another key factor to that is that when you buy something newer and, and up to code and up to speed of what people are looking for, not only are you saving hundreds of dollars a month on your taxes, not only are you hot finding higher quality tenants because you're offering the best product, but also with a newer home, your maintenance costs are so much lower. I was, I was gonna yeah. say that, yeah. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I've been in my home for just about two years, a little over two years, and I have not fixed anything. Yeah, I mean, all the appliances not, are new, all the- Knock on wood, <laughs> if you guys can hear that, but you know, exactly. Like, when you buy a new house, you're gonna get uh, a new AC unit, you're gonna get a new furnace, you're, everything's new, right? So. The probability of that breaking is a lot less than if you were to go into an older home. Nothing wrong with doing that and and going that route. So that's like you said, that's a that's a great advantage that you get with buying a new house. And most houses here in Philly that are new builds come with a one year warranty. So that's that's yeah. huge. Yeah, a lot of builders You're have to discover that, yeah. any yeah. issues with the house within the first couple months that you live in it, and the builders will take care of that at, yeah. at their own cost. Yeah, that's so, that's definitely good. That's big for you now. Get a little deeper, specifically in a house. So if you're in the same neighborhood, you got two houses block by block. Like, what are you hoping to have in one house that would set it apart from something else? Uh, yeah, some you could definitely attest to is definitely a roof deck. Uh, yeah. Definitely a, a finished basement. Um, Huge. You'll you'll see that a lot, pretty much with every new build. I've seen it in the city, and I've been in many new builds. Is that they all have a finished basement that. You know, you can use as an office, a living room, or turn into a bedroom, hopefully legally, or live down there illegally, right? But you're yeah. not, you know, it's something you can do, right? Because you're the owner of the house. So if you want to live down there, you can do that. And that's that's something what I did. But yeah, if I'm looking for a new house, definitely something that has four floors, a roof deck, something that's going to make it attractive for people to rent it out. Or like you guys do is Airbnb stuff. So something that uh, will make it attractive to someone uh, looking for a short-term rental or someone coming into town for three days, something that's gonna make it enjoyable for people to be there. That's that's what I look for. Totally, yeah. having having that finished basement and key for me is to make sure it has a full bathroom because it, it just makes that extra bedroom space if you create one that, that much better. more value. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, bedroom yeah. sizes are huge in a house hack. Basically, anything that would make living with other people more tolerable or even more fun um, and really create more of an experience out of it, that's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. You've, you've done that successfully so far. So totally best agree. of luck to you in a second. Yeah, appreciate sure. it, guys. What about uh, what about something like a parking uh, space? Is that something that you would... Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think, for? yeah, I, I would... I, I've looked at houses with parking spaces. Obviously, as you guys know, they're going to be higher in price, right? Yeah, Espe- yeah, like especially if you find something with a garage or, you know, I have I have a kid I know that, you know, bought a house with two parking spaces, right? Wow. Uh, but, you know, he paid a lot for the home. But, yeah, that's, that's something to look for because someone in the city that maybe doesn't feel comfortable parking on the street, that could be make it or break it for a renter coming in. And you might be able to get, obviously, a lot more rent if you had a parking space to offer or – just rent it out to someone that wants to keep their car there. That's totally. just additional income that you can do. And a lot of people do that. 
I mean, people rent spots out in the city here all the time that they own. So, yeah, and, and to me, the extra sticker price that you're paying for that parking has to it. cover, has to, what you're getting in extra rent or renting those parking space out for has to cover that extra sticker price. And yeah, the increase that definitely, you're paying. definitely. Um, otherwise, it's not worth it. And I think a lot of times it's it's hard to find that right ratio here in the city with parking. Yeah, for sure, for sure, because everyone wants that. So. Yeah, uh, JD, you might know. What would something like a parking spot around like South Philly rent for a month? You might get a hundred, two hundred bucks, um, hundred, hundred fifty. Yeah, but I'd it, say hundred fifty, two hundred probably. It's it's tough here in Point Breeze, um, but it depends on the part of the city you're in. It could go up to three, four hundred bucks in I'm Center sure City. Center oh city. yeah, I know yeah, people easily. that pay two fifty, three hundred bucks a month. For but a you're spot. you're paying another two, three hundred thousand for that. Which I mean, it, yeah. it hits the one percent rule. It could totally yeah. be worth it, uh, and it's just about looking at that. So yeah. it really depends. Um, we have a connect that we're going to see houses in the the four hundred thousands, maybe low five hundred thousands with full garage parking, four story. Um, we have those coming up, uh, starting to get built later this year. So we're really excited about all of those to come up. That it's might tough. be where my second house is. Yeah. We'll see. We'll that see. That might be where my 26th house is. Yeah. Let's go. Um, let's do it. Let's get to the last question in the Live Free 3. What kind of people are you looking to connect with? Like if, if we have any connections that could help you out or if there are people out here listening that, that might be able to add value to you, what is it that you're looking for in your life? Yeah, I, um, I'm always looking for people, um, you know, that have similar mindsets that, you know, are, are invested in themselves, uh, you know, invested in just being a better person um, and just, you know, want to get really good with their finances um, for the right reasons, obviously, is, you know, to, to reach financial independence and to just live life on their own terms. Um, I love connecting with people that, you know, are... are have a very health conscious mindset and are into, like I said, personal growth and, and, and financial. I think all those couple things right there tie together. Um, but then, you know, people that I can help, I think there's, there's people out there that are definitely struggling. Um, you know, and, and if, if people are just totally stuck with money and they just don't know where to start and they just really need help. Um, I'm always there to, to help people with that stuff. I, I love doing that. Um, because I enjoy doing it, it's it's not work to me. It's super enjoyable. Uh, you know, I love educating people just around money and how money works, how taxes work, how assets work. I think, you know, it's it's one of my favorite things to do. So, you know, people out there that you know just need help with things that are just kind of stuck in a job or stuck in their money life and they just don't really know where their money's going. Those those are people that I'm I'm really happy to help. All right. Um, just plug yourself. Where where can they find you? So yeah, mentioned earlier in the show, Instagram guys, easiest way. Will talks money. Shoot me a DM. Um, I have my email attached to that too. You can shoot me an email. Always on my email. Email and DMs are probably where I spend the most time. So uh, yeah, shoot me shoot me a message on there. Love you, it. You heard it right from Will himself. Slide into his DMs and he will help you out. You got it. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. If you liked it, feel free to drop a little um, comment in there. Um, give us a rating. really helps out a lot. makes us know that you want to hear more from us, more from Will. Um, yeah, but anyways, guys, that's, uh, that's the end of the podcast. Live free. Awesome. Appreciate Will, it, guys. Thanks for coming on today. Appreciate it. Happy to help out. Awesome. Peace.